Awesome. Welcome to the next episode of the RCA podcast. Uh, this week, we've got a special guest in Ben Mudge, who many of you may not know much about, but we're going to dig into him and his life. So thanks for joining us, Ben. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Um, and yeah, and the cool thing I think this about this is, is Chris knows nothing about Ben at all. Uh, me and Ben met over at M10 in Nottingham many moons ago now. Uh, so yeah, just asking you to come on, by the way, like I say, it is a huge, huge thank you. Um, you know, we haven't you know spoken or caught up properly in a while, so it's good to have you on this. So I was going to basically approach this from the angle of the inspirational story. Okay, in terms of like, you know, what you've been through, what you've had to overcome with the aim of helping others see their challenges in front of them, not as something that can hold them back, but how they can use it. Because you really have used the obstacle that you've uh, basically had to deal with in your life to create a phenomenal life for yourself, but also to impact others. Right. Correct. Yeah. Very well summed up. <laughs> I tell you, I forgot a way. Right, about it. Podcast, podcast finished now. Podcast done. That's it. Sound. Oh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but Ben, jump on and and start with that. Like I say, Chris doesn't know anything about you. Um, I obviously don't know the full history and everything behind it. I know general bits of the story, but just tell us a little bit about, you know, yourself and what you've kind of like had to go through. Okay, so I, the, the, what you're alluding to is me having cystic fibrosis. So cystic fibrosis for people who don't know what it is, is a genetic condition. And to keep it very simple, it affects the mucus production within your body. So anyone who doesn't have cystic fibrosis, the mucus in their body would, would move a lot like the water does in any form of container. And that basically, again, I'll use another analogy here. It's like the oil of a car. It keeps everything running smoothly and you know everything's happy days. Replace that uh, water with something like wallpaper paste or PVA glue with people with cystic fibrosis. So immediately... That starts becoming an issue. Um, that mucus is a fantastic breeding ground for bacteria, which means that if someone gets a chest infection with cystic fibrosis, unlike someone without cystic fibrosis, they would just clear the bugs out, cool, move on. You know, obviously have some adverse side effects for a bit, but realistically, it's not going to affect them long term. Someone with cystic fibrosis, that bacteria uh, gets in that mucus, which again, perfect breeding ground, and essentially destroys that lung tissue permanently. So over time more and more chest infections that occur. And again, the more chest infections you get, the more susceptible you are to them. So it's kind of a bit of a vicious cycle. You lose more and more of your actual lung tissue, which then eventually would lead up needing a lung transplant. So unfortunately, a lot of people with cystic fibrosis pass away waiting for that or getting it and it not working or, you know, um, a myriad of other things they could pass away from, but that's mainly it. That also affects digestion as well. So I have to take pancreatic enzymes because the enzymes produced by my pancreas can't get through that mucus. So breaking down foods for me is a little bit more complex. And that's actually what affected me primarily growing up. Um, it was literally just not taking enough tablets or being a kid and just playing and then eating something like my friends and then forgetting to take my tablets. Um, and the thing is, this is what I say to my clients a lot. You know, whenever someone's starting a a fitness you know endeavor or whatever to better themselves they beat themselves up for forgetting things i forget to take tablets that i've been taking my entire goddamn life so give <laughs> yourself a break you're gonna forget shit and it's you know whatever but that has affected you know the digestion that's affected quite a bit which then affects malabsorption uh, so a lot of people with cystic fibrosis don't grow to their full height or have a lot of issues trying to put on weight uh, which again 
uh, can be very, very difficult. Um, um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much cystic fibrosis in a nutshell. Yeah. And it's affected me. It's, it's a hard question to answer because I don't know how it's affected me because I don't know what it's like to not have it. When so, did you when did you find out then? Was it literally like just born with it? Yeah, so it's a that's a bit of a horror story in itself. So I was born, um, my mum and dad, fine, everything was healthy. And then one of the nurses, I believe, noticed that I hadn't passed my mycolium, which is the basically like tar-like substance that you excrete upon birth. And I hadn't I hadn't gotten rid of that yet. Uh, so there was a bit of concern about there, but they're like, ah, you know, it'll come out anyway. And then I was actually vomiting up most of my mum's uh, milk, which then again, another sign, they're like, oh, he, he's not well. And a surgeon happened to come in and go, something not quite right with this baby. I, I need to operate on it. So I was two days old. And my mum remembers it so clearly, being taken out of her arms, rushed down to, uh, the hospital, and she had to name me there and then on the run to the to the lifts. Because, uh, I, I mean, she didn't know whether I was going to survive because there was a good chance of that there wasn't I wasn't going to come out of that that operation was to open up my stomach and again a two-day-old baby there's photos of this and the scar that I have is right the way around the front of my stomach uh, and that was to clear out the mycolium manually so they had to go in open my bowels and intestines and clear that out and the doctor actually used his pinky finger to clear that out and if I hadn't passed that I wouldn't have been able to digest any food I would have just constantly been thrown up and I, I would have died so if it wasn't for that surgeon coming in and just being like something's not right here, I, I wouldn't be here. Now, fortunately, cystic fibrosis is tested upon birth with just a simple heel sweat test. So, right. yeah, bit of an intense start. That, that Don't worry. That's I mean, it's great to understand that as well, because I, I obviously, I knew you had cystic fibrosis and it's been a big part of your story and everything, but I didn't know, obviously, where it had all originated from. So that then obviously led to you, you know, obviously going through childhood, managing it and stuff. So what was it like? A Was it a normal childhood for you? Yeah, very much so. I mean, as, yeah. as, as normal goes. The only way I can really say that, that it was normal is because I never felt really that different to my friends. My, my, you know, I credit my parents as often as I can. Because once you once you get older, you realize your parents are just people too. Like they don't they don't know what's going on. They're not these omnipotent gods that you look at when you're a child. And to know what to do in a time where there was no internet, it was just your gut instinct to do the right thing. My parents gave me the best upbringing I could have possibly asked for. Where having cystic fibrosis wasn't a a crutch. It wasn't a reason to not do things. It was actually the complete opposite. It's like, look, you can do all these things. Like if I ever was unsure about that. My parents would be like, no, you can do it. It's fine. And if you can't, you can't, you know, that's nothing to do with your CF. So yeah. Fantastic. I, I, I love that. I love that because so many people you see, like maybe when their kids do have a condition, like you're saying, the parents aren't aware of it, they will use it to put them into a shield and almost it, it then works against them. But literally what, what your parents have done is basically said, Hey, look, like let's go. go. Let, let's go, go. like the world's your oyster. We want you to be everything that you possibly can be. And this isn't something that's going to hold you back. This yeah. is something that we want you to use, which, you know, we, me and Chris speak about uh, environment a lot and the coaching that we, you know, that we do. And, you know, like the people who are around you like that, are they pulling you down? Are they inspiring you? What your parents did was effectively like inspired you. They're like, you know, basically I would imagine saying, Ben, you're no different to anyone else. Like, you know, live your life like they do. I mean, yeah, that's exactly it. And again, a part of it is they probably couldn't stop me. 
Well, apparently, once I once I was set on something as a child, my mom and dad were like, "Just just let him do it because he's going to do it anyway, even if we tell him not to." So I think <laughs> there's a big, you know, nice nice blend to give me to give me that result. So yeah, yeah, that, that that's where you look at it and you go, "Yeah, you know, like you say, as far as normal goes as a child like that, you tell a, cat, a child not to do something, they're going to go do it anyway." So like your parents realize that and said, "Off you go." Exactly. So, so for you then, obviously, when this comes up to like the, the fitness industry, so yeah. how did you get into it? And when you actually did get into it, was that on the back of, as in like, was cystic fibrosis a big part of you getting into the industry or was it actually just your love for lifting weights and being in shape? Like, what was it? It was a combination of all of that. Uh, so I had actually, I, I didn't, I had no intention of becoming a personal trainer. You know, it wasn't something that as soon as I got to school, I was like, going to go watch people lift weights. That's yeah. what I want to do. I wanted to go and do uh, film studies and I wanted to go become a director. So I actually got into the film industry and that was my first job. A couple of my first jobs were, one of them was working on Game of Thrones and it was the first season. So no one knew what it was back then. I was just happy to meet Boromir, Sean, Sean Bean. I was like, cool, yeah, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. That's me, I'm good. But basically working on that set um, taught me that the career that I had been dreaming of most of my teenage life uh, wasn't going to work because the hours were too long. I couldn't eat what I needed to eat. I couldn't keep you know fit and, and active because all I was doing was working, going home, trying to fall asleep, stressing about not going to sleep. Broke, you know. So basically, my immune system just plummeted, and I actually got sick for the second time, where I actually had to be hospitalized for a month with um, antibiotics just to try and clear a chest infection that I picked up. But as I said, it was on that the set that I was speaking to some of the extras who were Dothraki warriors oh big dudes and I was like what are these guys doing I don't want to look like that that's you know yeah this is what I want to do and I asked them like how are you here during the day like what's your job then they were like I'm a personal trainer and I was like oh okay cool what's that do and they started explaining <laughs> to me and at that point I was like I was pretty sure I was gonna have to leave this you know what was starting to be a career and completely go off path and I started weighing up all the decisions. I was like, right, okay, well, I'll be in a gym, which means I can train. I'll be able to prioritize my own health, which kind of needs to happen. Um, I love, you know, getting stronger. It's taught me so much about my own, you know, myself. And I would love to be able to give that gift to other people. And it kind of just lined up nicely. And I, again, so a part of it was my cystic fibrosis, as in it put me in the position that I had to make a decision. And then again, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, oh, when well, that would be good for my own health. And, you know, it'd be kind of cool to think that me, some cystic fibrosis is helping people get fit because that just in my head, I was like, that doesn't seem right. You know, I've never seen anyone else doing that. So, yeah, yeah, they def definitely is like a different thing. I know, like say when we first met originally, obviously, I didn't know who you were. And then I saw obviously your profile and started really like following your story. And I was like, I've literally never, in fact, I'll be honest, I'd heard of the condition, but wasn't aware of what it was. And you actually brought that to my awareness uh, you know, to like you know what actually happens with it and how it affects someone and just going back a step then because like obviously mentally you've had to overcome a lot and like in that period of time then you said you know you got hospitalized twice and stuff like how were you handling those situations and mentally like how did you like get past it like it must have been quite a like oh my god like what's happening here yeah I mean I was 18 the first time I was hospitalized uh, I've been in hospital for other unrelated um, conditions um but this is the first time my lungs have been the thing that put me there. And at 18, you, as an 18-year-old boy, like I say boy, a teenager, man, whatever you want to say, <laughs> you feel like you're invincible. At 18, you're like, I 
nothing can kill me. And then it was, I was I remember running up my, my parents had a force, their house is like a really old building or building and my room is at the top. So me and my brother used to run up the stairs, you know, not breathe for no particular reason, just that's what you did. And I remember getting up to the top, which I'd done thousands of times. And I was like, oh, here, um, I can't breathe. Like this is, this is strange. And then went to the hospital, they checked my lung functions and to kind of give people a context of lung functions, 100% on their scale is some of my age, weight and height without cystic fibrosis. So that that's kind of like golden standard. Not many people are there, obviously. Yeah. My lung functions have been at 113. So I was actually better than someone without cystic fibrosis. And it dropped all the way to 66 whenever I felt that, um, well, that chest infection coming. And there's nothing more humbling than trying to take a breath and someone just feeling like they just clamp your lungs shut especially when you know what it's like to not have them like that. So that mentally was very difficult to deal with because, you know, at that age you feel like you should be getting better and cystic fibrosis being a degenerative illness. It was never obvious to me until that point where I was like, Oh, okay, this is, um, this could kill me. And yeah. that's a hard thing to, to digest at 18 years old. Um, Did that change the way that you then like, you know, went about life from that moment as in like, that's a realization 18, you're incredibly aware of, you know, what's going on around you. Obviously, yes, you're still young, but did that change the way that you then, you know, went about what you did going forwards? I believe so. Again, there's no, like, I can't, I'd be lying to you if I said, I said I could go back and be like, yeah, yeah. but you know, I, I definitely think it played a huge, a huge role. It wasn't actually until the, second time I believe that I went in where I really got that like oh okay I don't I can't have an option b I don't I don't get the luxury of of not training and not eating and not you know resting and recovering and looking after my physical and mental I don't get that option because it's a very very short path and I don't like where the path is going so I was I was about 20 I think I came up the other day on my Facebook memories it was 14 years ago today and I was like, finally out of hospital, woo, block capitals, yelling it to everyone on my on my Facebook feed. Um, and I remember hearing this noise at night. I was like, what the heck is that noise? That's like a really weird machine. It sounded, it did not sound human. Put it like that. It was just this, you know, in your head, you've got like, okay, humans can make this range of noises. It was just slightly outside of that. And it was something really creepy. And again, I was by myself in a completely silent hospital. I was like, zombies. It's got to be zombies. It's, and I was, you know, I was, I'm laughing at it, but I was kind of, you know, crapping myself. I was like, oh crap, I've got this thing on my arm. I'm not going to be able to fight him. It's going to be, an, it's going to be awful. But anyway, I woke up the next day and the, the door opposite mine, um, we all had separate rooms to prevent cross infection. That's another thing with cystic fibrosis. Two people see I shouldn't meet because um, of cross infection. You know, if they've got a bug I've got, so yeah. vice versa, it becomes very difficult to treat with antibiotics. But I heard this noise again, and I was like, oh, where the heck has that come from? It sounded so close. And I looked across the room, and the door happened to be open. And I heard the noise, and it was a guy. And he was, I mean, he looked, his image is still, like, burnt into my head. Um, it, it, it sounds horrible to say, but it didn't, it didn't look human to me. Like he was so small, his head was the biggest thing on him. He was completely rounded over. It just it it scared me. I just remember seeing it. As I said, it's I can so, still see it so clearly. Um, saw him making the noise. It was him coughing. As I said, and it was just this 
horrible noise. Like it's again, I can hear it even. It's so chilling. And the nurse came over then to me, closed his door, and I said, "What age is that guy?" And she was like, oh, I'm, "I'm not allowed to tell you. It's you know patient confidentiality." But if you walk past slowly, his data burst on the door, and I was like, "Cheers." <laughs> so I walked past it later and kind of had a little spy, and he was only two years older than me. And he looked about 60. Like his hair was nearly pretty much gone, but not like it looked stress. You look like like stress, um, hair loss. And uh, I just remember thinking, well, I'm here and so is he. So there's not much of a jump between this reality and that reality. Like there can't be that much of a jump. And that just scared me down to my core. I was like, I never, ever want to be like that. I never want to, you know, I, I don't want that to be me. You know, I've yeah. got, I've got all these things I want to do in my life. Like I've got a lot of, like, I want to see films coming out. Like there's, there's a lot of stuff I want to still be here for. And now, of course I wasn't arrogant and thinking like, oh, I can completely control when I get sick. Like I didn't have that. I was just like, right, well, there are things that I have under my control that I 100% have under my control. There's no one else that can tell me. What did you identify? Sleep. First thing straight out the gates was sleep because that's, I look back and was reflecting on the two times I've been hospitalized. And I was like, what was the common thing between those both? And I was like, okay, well, I had traveled somewhere. So that means I've been on a flight. I was eating foods that were not usually in my kind of food circles. So again, my gut was just all over the place mm. and my sleep quality was shocking. So the first time was game of, or the first time was actually flying to Florida and then sleeping on an airbed, which wasn't inflated enough. So I, my sleep quality was terrible. And then the second one was working on Game of Thrones and not being able to sleep. So that was the first thing. I was like, I need to prioritize this thing. Like this is, this needs to happen. There's not, you know, what's the largest number of those things? Like in terms of percentages of what went wrong. And I was like, well, sleep's a pretty big part of that equation. So let's address that. So that was the one thing I did. Uh, tried to regulate how I ate instead of just eating crap. And, you know, at that age, you, you can eat a lot of crap and not really doesn't really change your composition much. Like, well, I should probably cut those out because that's probably not the greatest thing for my gut. And I remember reading at that point that your immune system was in your gut. And I was like, right, cool. You need to look after that. And then just exercising regularly as well. As well. Like that was the, you know, I couldn't afford to dip in and out of it. Like some of my friends had, I had to keep going because that's what made me feel strong. And that's what helped me do the shit on the days that I didn't want to do it because I was like, well, this is what you're getting. This is the reward of, of, of strengthening your body. And, and if, you're not doing that, then you're going to have to say goodbye to that, which you you know you like. So yeah. yeah. Cool. And so, so obviously you mentioned uh, a while ago then about like the Dothraki and everything. You just touched on the Game of Thrones. I mean, anyone who's seen Game of Thrones has obviously seen their physiques and, you know, they're, they're, they're outrageous. So at that stage, what kind of shape were you in? Lean. You lean, skinny, anyone? Yeah, skinny. Like? yeah. I mean, I, I you, because of my CF, I struggled to put on weight. So any weight that I was, was just skinny. Like, you know, I, you could see muscles, well, some, <laughs> but it was just because I was skinny. Um, and then I started lifting weights at like 16 when Santa brought us a weight kit and uh, me and my brother, and I'd be out there like every day, just wanting to look like Ja Rule. Yeah. That's literally it. I remember seeing a Ja Rule music video and being like, that's what I want to look like. I want to look like Ja Rule. Love that. Yeah. And then, but then obviously with your lifting and we'll go into like, you know, what you do now and everything, but you, um, 
you started acting out one of the, my biggest memories of you is Thor, right? Yeah. Obviously, and the, the lookalike is insane. For anyone, obviously, will share Ben's uh, Instagram. I'll get him to share it at the end like that. You just have a little score. Like, there you go. He's got the hammer as well on the camera for us. Like, you started <laughs> acting out. Like, obviously, this is for your love for film, but, like, where did it actually come from? Was it to inspire kids? Was it just to have a laugh? Like, you know, what was it? Way nerdier than that, man. It's way, way nerdier. Tell me. I was looking up why we use the, the words of the week, like why we use the names of them. Okay. And Thursday is just Thursday. It comes from the word Thursday. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool trivia. That's, you know, that's kind of something interesting. This nice little party fact. And I thought, right, I'll post that on Instagram because that's kind of cool. And I was like, oh, I also have Thor's hammer. Like I had a foam one, not this one. And I, I did have long hair at the time. And I was like, I'll just post this up and I'll stand like that. And I'll write Thursday underneath it. And that post exploded because a lot of people knew that I had cystic fibrosis. And then a lot of people were seeing me dress as Thor and they were like, Oh, my kid's going to love this. My kid with CF is going to absolutely love this. And I think I got maybe like one message. I, I honestly can't remember that clearly, but I think I got a message saying, Oh, my kid with CF is going to love this. He's going to think Thor has CF. And I was like, that is, that's amazing. Like that cool. is actually incredible to hear. I wish I had that growing up. I would, I would have just, I would love to have seen someone that has what I have doing something cool. Even if it was just me standing in the back garden with a foot and pair of leggings on and a, <laughs> or like anything at that point I would have taken because I was a huge superhero fan growing up. And uh, yeah, I just thought that's, that's pretty cool. So, okay, I'll put a bit more effort into this and you fast forward a couple of months and I had the, the costume like handmade for me. And it's it looks legit, like it's really it's made out of foam, but it looks pretty damn cool. I look, it looks glass. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's sweaty as hell in there. Like there's n no sweat; it just goes out and then back into you. So you're just <laughs> yeah, you can't breathe in it. Not at all, not at all. Oh yeah, if you, I mean I can't even bend over, dude. I had a hairband <laughs> in once, and the hairband pinged off me, and I was just standing staring at it like you're lost. I, I can't, yeah. and that was at Comic Con, and I had to get Catwoman to pick up my hairband for me. There's a, there's a random sentence for you, but um, yeah, it was. Uh, it just kind of spiraled from there, and I was like, oh, you know what else could I do? Oh, I'll take a, a photo of me taking my nebulizer. I'll take photos of me taking my crayon because if I had seen that growing up, I wouldn't have felt so, you know, insecure about having to take enzymes every time I ate something or having to take this noisy machine that I had to sit and just breathe into at night you know anything you made you feel different as a child you know you, you kind of want to erase that for people or make them feel like it's not a bad thing and if, if I had the power to do that holy shit why would I not do it I mean yeah. it was I'm still so so proud of that fact like honestly if I if I clocked out tomorrow I I feel like I've I've done a, a decent enough thing um in just helping maybe even one person that's and that just I love how that story just came so randomly as well. Like it was just yeah. one post that just blew up. And yeah, I mean, it also I guess it helped that you also had literally like a lookalike of I can't remember the actor's name. Chris, Chris Emsworth. Yeah. So that that actually came about very, very randomly. So my wife and I were we'd just been going out and the first Thor film came out. And up until that point, she had never said anything about any guy. Yeah. I was the number one. I was like, cool cool i like this and then flipping chris hemsworth walks on screen with his shirt off looking for his hammer and i was just like i just looked across and just like 
<laughs> okay then and i was like what okay this is fast forward and then start you know when that film came out and i started getting random comments from being like, oh, people you look a bit like that dude who plays thor and i was like thanks that's yeah i'll take that. that take that home thank you very much and then i decided to grow my hair out because i frankly just hated having short hair never knew what to do with it knew how to, and genuinely it comes from that simple decisions i was like i don't know how to style my hair when it's short it's going to grow it long you tie it back done jobs are good yeah. So I did that, and um, yeah, then everyone started saying, yeah, you look, look somewhat like that guy. And I was like, oh, again, handsome dude, I'll, I'll take that. I'm fine with this. But bonus so, compliments, eh? Bonus compliments. <laughs> oh, it was the, the like craziest, craziest all day long. was uh, it, I went to Korea, South Korea in 2018. I was like kind of the, the year that I'd really been using the Thor stuff, and I was walking in in the middle of Seoul, and the people shout Toru. And my friend kept laughing, going, ha, ha, ha. And the guy who was, like, from South Korea, he's, like, laughing, like, and I was like, what are they, dude, what are they saying? He's like, Thor. They're just all shouting Thor at you. And there'd be people who would literally just come up and just start touching you. Like, it was, dude, it was, it was weird. Like, that was, that was so strange. Like, I cannot even, I mean, even telling that story, I'm like, that, that's a weird one to be able to tell. See, I, I knew you'd be a great guest because, I mean, my there's so many different stories here and nuts and crannies that we can go down with it. Let's uh, let, let's tie it into, into training as in, like, you know, training today then. Like, yeah. how does the cystic fibrosis, how does that impact your training today? Because, you know, let's be honest, you're in incredible shape, okay? Mm-hmm. You, you look after yourself and you've just spoken then, like, a, a point for the listeners is how you've reflected you, you looked at things were like, what's affected me here? Like, okay, it was my sleep. It was this, like that. You've identified areas of your life and gone, right, if I improve this, I'm going to get this. And obviously it is about that longevity. It's about the health, yeah. I guess, you know. So when you look at the training nowadays like that, how does it affect you? Like what kind of things do you have to be wary of? And, you know, like anyone else, you're going to have down days and up days, but how extreme are those for you? I'll be honest with you. It doesn't, it doesn't affect my decisions, really. Um, my cystic fibrosis i never have let it if it has to it has to but if i don't give it that permission then it's it, no chance in hell i'm letting it dictate what i do so i i've said this since i was like 18 i remember saying this and someone told me the first one he's like if you leave your ego at the door when you step in the gym you'll do well i was like cool that's actually a really cool piece of advice to hear and i thought well if i leave my cf out there it doesn't dictate what i do and it has a lesser control in my life and I, I remember doing this so well. It was my first gym. It was like a university. And I remember standing at the door and being like, I'm, I literally went, bye. I said that. I like literally had to visualize. I was like, okay, bye. And then from there on, I was like, they don't come in with me because they're just going to dictate stuff that I don't want them to dictate. Um, so in terms of how my training is affected. It's not. It's not. No. Because and again. You, you leave it at the door and you walk in there with the mindset of, I'm all good here, like that. I'm, I'm a normal person. That's yep. literally that's it. I'm like I'm. I've got no defects. I, I'm just every. It's level playing field here. Um, and that's Again, pretty I, much. The I mindset. think. Do you know? I remember something that we um, took away, and this is like like this is mindset. I took this away from uh, Tony Robbins, some training that we did with him, and I remember him saying they were speaking about like a you know like cancer basically, and it was like you know in the mindset. I think it's something like when someone's told that they have cancer and say that they've got only a certain amount of time to live 
they will die within that period. That's right. right? Yeah. Because they've already given up. But if you spin their mindset to like that, I can survive rather than, you know, cancer like that, this individual then fights and they live long past the date that the doctor originally has said in the head, like this is when they're going to die, but the doctor hasn't told them the date. So what they've told them is that, look, you've got cancer, but it's survivable. Now this person believes that they're they're going to be okay and they can flip through. And it, it's, yeah. it's massive is that, the power of mindset. And you just back that up in your own way there. I just like, you basically go, I leave my shit at the front door. I walk into this gym like a normal person. I get my job done. Simple as that. And it, you, don't, you don't let it hold you back, you know, which is great. And in terms of training like that, philosophies, because I know from seeing, obviously, your profile and stuff like that, guys listening, like Ben literally has fun. <laughs> he has fun. He has a laugh. He's a great white man dancer, <laughs> probably like myself and Chris like that. But, you know, literally like it is one of those, right? You know, you have a giggle, you know, you let your hair down and you have fun with it. Like, you know, what are your philosophies behind training? Like, how do you go about it? It needs to be fun. It needs to be, yeah. you need to enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, you're not going to do it. And, or you'll do it, but you'll be doing it begrudgingly. And the way I see it and the way I've always seen it, like, again, from that, point where my mind completely swapped was every single ability that I have to do like I that's in my arsenal I should be fucking grateful for it because there's some people like that man I was telling you about who would kill just to be able to walk by himself or to walk up a flight of stairs or talk to someone while he's walking or I mean you could keep the list keeps going and now am I like that all the time like oh, being able to walk is fantastic I love walking in the rain yeah like course not like i'm a real person as well but i I think i've got such a great understand or great appreciation of what my body can do rather than what it can't do which is unfortunately a lot of people are more focused on what it doesn't do and what it doesn't look like and what it you know they focus a lot on that stuff um and it's very easy to do that i get that i do it too but i just have this deep appreciation of how incredible my body is at just you know, from a biological standpoint, like understanding what's going on in my body from a genetic standpoint, like I'm, it's amazing. Like this thing we have is incredible. It's the greatest tool you're ever going to get. So yeah. treat it with respect, try and enjoy what you're doing. So at the very cornerstone of everything, it's, it's enjoying it. If I'm not enjoying what I'm doing, I'm going to change it. Or I'm going to find something I do enjoy. So I have never been restricted in my training methodologies or training principles I'm open up to anything. If I want to do CrossFit, I'll do CrossFit. If I want to do sports-specific training, I'll do that. If I want to go rock climbing, do gymnastics, swing a fake lightsaber around in the kitchen, like, you know, I- I'm game for anything. I think, uh, again, limiting yourself to one specific mindset when it comes to training is, it's robbing you of a lot of fun. So, Would you say that's kind of like the, um, not to word it, but like the, the, the message, kind of like how you live life as well? As in like, you know, yeah. the message that you tell yourself is like almost like you wake up in the morning, you're like, have fun today, Ben. Enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. No one gets out alive anyway. Yeah, so, you know, it, well. it, honestly, like, even just hearing you on this, like it really comes across that way. And it's a, just a, an outstanding mindset, what you've got. And right. it's you proving again that you can just, you can perform at any level. It doesn't matter what's in front of you like that. It's your choice whether you see that as an obstacle or whether you see that as a privilege to go to the next level. Yeah, it's it's what I talk about with my clients. You want to become, you want to adapt the problem solver mentality. I think every human just is genetically and, and just preset to be a problem solver. It's whether you lean into that or not, or whether you allow these problems to dictate whether you proceed forward or not. 
So the mindset that I try to, to get with my guys is I want you to identify as that person. I want you to identify as someone who doesn't just go, oh, there's a problem. Well, I'm just going to wait for someone to come and solve this or it's not getting solved. You need to be that person that's like looking at the wall, look, looking at that obstacle and be like, right, okay, path A is blocked clearly, but there must be a path B. There must be a path C. Like I can work myself around this. Find if you've got that mindset, you're unstoppable. Like you, you're, you're just, you're unstoppable. And if you then ask someone else for help and, and strengthen your tribe as such, you really can't be stopped. Like you really can't be. So I try to really drive that message home for as many people as I can. I mean, phenomenal messages are something that I've, I've always say like that is that when you're in the tough times like that, just remind yourself that there is always a way, you know, yeah. and as long as you, and that's literally what you just said, then is an option, an option B, but I love that you put that across. So in terms like then you just touched on like the clients and stuff that you work with. I know you've got the Be More University and stuff. Like tell us a little bit about what you do within the fitness industry then. So I've been coaching for 12 years. I've been online coaching for eight of those years. I adopted online coaching fairly soon because I realized that if I got sick, I couldn't work. And as a PT, you kind of need to do that to get money. So I was like, right, okay, I need to find something that allows me to, you know, keep my income coming in regardless of where I am and also allow me to help people with cystic fibrosis because as I said earlier, we can't we can't meet. So there's all these people out there who I knew I could help and, you know, get them healthier and get them more confident and all the things that I had taken from, from you know, keeping fit and healthy. But I, I couldn't do that. So I was like, oh, okay, this online training thing works. So I've been online coaching predominantly for the last, I haven't had a one-to-one -one session in about five years now. Um, miss them. I do enjoy one-to-one -one coaching. There's nothing wrong with it. But as I said, my reason for going into online is, is pretty evident. Yeah. Um, now I run a fitness company, uh, Be More Lifestyle, with my business partner, Josh. So Josh and I started working together at the start of this year. And holy crap, we've done some stuff. We really have taken our best foot forward. And this has been a fantastic year for, for not only myself personally, uh, but business-wise, it's just, it's it's going in the direction that I never thought possible, to be honest. I, I, I dreamed about it and I was like, that would be amazing. But I don't know if that's in my skill set or if it's something I could even get started. But again, the good old imposter syndrome exists in all of us, doesn't it? Um, so yeah, like now we, we're running a company. Myself and Josh work with a, a limited amount of people, and then we've got our coaches helping the rest of the the Be More lifestyle. So it's uh that's an incredible community. Like it genuinely is. It's uh it's a fun fun place to be. Is it is it literally just for people with cystic fibrosis, or you train people? Everybody, as well, yeah, everybody, yeah. That's a, that's a question I get a lot. You know, people say, "Oh, do I yeah. with people with CF?" And no, I work with anybody. Um, if someone happens to have CF and wants to come and improve their health and fitness. A cool. star, great. Help yeah. You, but yeah, yeah. Um, is, is it predominantly then, obviously, because of your message behind cystic fibrosis? Do you predominantly get people with CF, or is it actually you do actually have like quite a mixture within there? I do not have a niche at all, it's everyone and everyone. We've got you know 17 year old kids, we've got a 60 year old woman, you know, we've got such um, a broad, diverse group of people, and it's uh. Yeah, obviously, as I said, it's nice when someone does come to me with cystic fibrosis. I always think that that's cool. I've, I've, I've helped them in some way. Um, but no, it's, I did actually work with, uh, I did kind of go that direction with my career earlier on, uh, thinking, you know, I really want to niche down and help people with cystic fibrosis. But 
again, like everything, lesson learned, I found that just it was it was draining me mentally a lot. You know, I was having to take on. I'm a a very empathetic person. So whenever the when a client has a problem, I have a problem. When you know, and if you imagine times in that by 30 with people who have the same condition as you and, and they're looking to you like what the sounds don't know how this sounds, but it's almost like they looked at me like as a Masonic figure, like, oh, he's gonna cure me of my or not cure me, but he's gonna like be able to jump my lung functions up by 50%, 60%. No, that can't happen. But ultimately, I'm not, I'm not, I can't reverse time if you've done the damage to a certain point in your life it's you're done now can you maximize that yeah of course but some people were coming to me and it's almost like they were expecting me to give them these results that just i could not give them it almost, doesn't, just, it almost doesn't correlate to your upbringing by the sounds of it either in terms of you want you wanted to just be normal or be you know not treat exactly. it if it was a handbrake for you yeah so if you're then going to niche down and just work with those people it's going to engulf your whole life right exactly, exactly. so by just working with inverted commas normal people yep that's exactly what you feel like which you are and it's then about just helping as many people as you can as i guess as nail opposed to absolutely putting, nail putting yourself in a box yeah i mean you, you you literally summed it up exactly how i was saying it it was becoming a bigger part of my life than i wanted it to be by working with more people with cystic fibrosis and again to be honest there's some you know whenever you've got something like cystic fibrosis you're like oh yeah it's like a brotherhood and I'm going to have to like all these people. And I was like, some of these people are dicks. Like, they just, they, you just can't help them. And I was like, it doesn't matter. And that was, again, another good lesson. I was like, regardless of who you are, what you've got, you can still be a dick. And I was like, I'm not helping people who are not going to help themselves and then get angry at you for trying to help them. You know, that's just not not my bag. So, yeah, I just decided to step away from that because it was just, again, racked with guilt. Complete. I remember having a, having a, a chat with my mom about this. And saying like, is this the right thing to do? And she was like, is it protecting you? I was like, yeah, it, it would be. And she was like, well, then step away from it. You shouldn't feel an ounce of guilt for protecting yourself first. Because that's what she taught me to do. Like she just said, you have to be number one. As selfish as people think it might be. You know, if you're not there because of, you know, not doing the work that you should have done, then who cares? You know, they're going to be more upset at you with that. You yeah. know, about not being there than they're ever going to be about you prioritizing your health. So. How would you how would you work with somebody? So let's say someone came to you with that kind of mindset, and obviously yep. you were talking about trying to trying to get them to reframe things and think slightly differently. Yep. Using that problem solving mindset and finding yep. a way. How would you go about working with someone who came to you who wasn't as much of a problem solver, but potentially had Excuse that me. in them? How, how how would you work with them on that? I mean, it, time, you know, obviously a relationship like that needs needs time to to cook. So I wouldn't be trying to go in there trying to solve all their problems with one conversation. Yeah. I would just try to address the issues that maybe they're coming across and then start to kind of break those down a little bit and make them understand why they're making those decisions. Because if someone understands, oh yeah, this is the this is the pattern I get into. If they understand that, it gives them so much power. Mm. And once they feel like they've got that power, that's when you can start, you know, making more kind of direct things of, of what I want them to do, or I want them to push themselves out of their comfort zone. So I'd, I'd start small. And as I said, competence breeds, breeds confidence. Like if you can make them feel competent about their decisions, mm. confidence comes because when someone feels good about what they do and if they understand it, then they're like, Oh, here, mm. something about this. And I like this feeling. So it's about building them up to the point where it's not like you need to force that into them. It's just like, 
because of the conversations you're having with them and I I'm very proud of the fact that if I once I speak to a client they'll they usually kick the shit out of the week they, they start feeling a lot better about themselves and that's that's what we're trying to do really we're trying to make people happier yeah healthier is great but if, if they're not happy then all the health in the world isn't going to mean shit you know mm. so I it has to be that priority it has to be their their mental health first and foremost like sort the problem from the ground up or in this case the you know top yeah. down but yeah you want to sort that because if that's not I've, I've met plenty of people who are in phenomenal shape from a filth you know from a fitness perspective and then an aesthetic experience you know experience or um effect sorry but they're mentally just not there like they're miserable that existence is miserable and they just they feel like they're imprisoned in this expectation of of who they are to not only themselves but other people and that's a that's something you want to avoid at all costs with the people you're working with you want to make sure they're enjoying their body they're feeling confident about themselves they're doing things they may not have done before and that's the whole point of the name be more we want people to be more of them we're not trying to change them we're trying to just allow the best version of them to step the fuck forward because that's the version that everyone wants to fucking meet that's essentially yeah yeah. That would be kind of how I would do it. I think that's that's definitely, I had a question for you, which you, you've kind of answered in terms of what's the biggest challenge that you you see and face with your clients. And I think time is, it might not be the time in itself, but it's probably the mindset around time mm-hmm. and having that bigger vision and perspective of, well, this is, this is a, a journey, for want of a better phrase. It, it is a yeah. journey. There's going to be, there are going to be so many obstacles along the way. There's going to be peaks. There's going to be troughs. And it's about managing that mindset throughout and and mapping it out. And, and that that is one of the biggest challenges I know that, that you'll have faced and will have faced is just that people wanting that quicker fix without yeah. actually going deeper to the problems that you solve out the deeper root of problems, the the, the longer term stuff's going to take care of itself. Sorts itself, yeah. yeah. Um, and, we, and we talk a lot about sort of like that, that short-term pain for long-term gain as opposed to the other way around. Yep. Yep. Um, it's, yeah. It's, which is it, and it's and that is a real challenge. Yeah. I find to to I really ingrain that in in people. I think again the way I the way I go about social media this is kind of tying into that answer. The way I go about social media is I want to be I want to be exactly the same on social media as I am in real life mm-hmm. because that makes me relatable which means that people are going to listen to what I'm saying. Cause I, I understand a lot of people look at me from a you know physique perspective and be like, that's guys on steroids. And I'm not, I've never taken any of my life, but that's immediately what people will go. They'll say he's on steroids. It doesn't matter what he does. He's so, he's so far away from me that I, nothing he says is going to make any difference or have any impact on me. It's not going to be something I can take anything from. So I try my best to break down that, that barricade between myself and, and the people who I'm trying to help. So that means if I'm not feeling like I didn't, you know, like working out, I'm going to tell people I, don't, I didn't want to work out today. I had no motivation to do this, but I did it because that's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And again, that's another mindset that I try and instill in my clients is that we are the type of people that regardless of what our motivation levels are at, we get the shit done. That's what I really want them to like that. Yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm that person. Again, you combine that with problem solving. Game's over. Like they will, they will achieve whatever the hell you set them out to achieve. So the way, again, and it's about managing expectations. The first thing I'll tell people when they start working with me is look, it's going to be a journey. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. There's going to be plateaus. It's going to be there. I I wish 
I wish I could solve this and just give you a nice, you know, mm. nice straight path, but I'd be lying. We're going to experience some shit times. However, my job is to pick you up and get you out of those as soon as possible so that we can continue moving forward. But I don't promise them the world. I just promise them it's going to be tough and there's going to be times where you want to give up. But the most important thing is, and this is another thing I try to instill in them is, you know, whenever people are having a bad day, they're like, I want to quit. And you're like, cool, I understand that. That's totally normal. But no, you're only allowed to quit when you've had a freaking awesome day. Come back to me then and talk about quitting. And again, if you can get that mindset into them, they're like, I don't, I don't quit on bad days. I'm built of something different. Again, those people are going to be successful. And that's what I try to really instill in them. It's just amazing that we're, we're talking about like success and progress and, mm-hmm. and, and, and changing people's lives. We haven't spoke once about training or nutrition. Really? No, because if you can... If you can get their principles all lined up, then that's just... That's but, just but that's what people come to you with, isn't it? Oh, I just oh, need, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need, I need a training program. I need you to tell me what I need to tell eat. What eat. Tell me what we'll crack on. And it's like, well, let's not start there. Let's start somewhere else. And they're like, what, what, why? Why are we going to start there? And everything we spoke about in the last probably 15, 20 minutes is exactly why. It's mindset. Yeah, yeah completely. Mindset. Yeah. What I was going to say with you saying that, Ben, like saying, um, you know... I'll let you quit on a good day, but I won't let you quit on a bad day is, again, a, f- a phrase that I've used very, very recently, which is when you're going through hell, you don't stop, do you? No. Like, when you're going through hell, you, there. <laughs> you keep you keep frigging running like that. And that's exactly relatable to that. Like when you're having a shit time, you don't stop in that shit moment and go, I'm just going to stop here. Like that, what? So your life gets even shitter? No, 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 no. <laughs> like when you're having a great time and you're in a fantastic place, that's when I'll allow you, like I say, to, you know, to back off. But yeah, I mean, Ben, what I will say is a, a huge thank you for this. Obviously, Chris, I don't know if you had any more questions that you wanted to fire over at him just briefly in the last few minutes. No, no uh, just 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 a big thanks as well. And it's been it's been yeah. a pleasure just to listen to your story. Like genuinely, I, I tend to come on these podcasts even just with Rob without any kind of forethought or, or structure. So it's actually been really refreshing for me personally just to hear your story, um, get to get to sort of uh, dig a bit deeper into that um, and yeah look forward to catching up again at some point soon hopefully thank you very much I noticed you're a football fan as well yeah Dallas Cowboys they're, they're doing pretty well we're doing pretty well this year we're doing we're doing alright we're doing alright Falcons fan spent some time over there so I've been to a few games that's where it's from that's where it stems from we've been to a few, your team. Games. a few Buccaneers games they were, they were terrible because Tom Brady wasn't there at the time so it was just <laughs> whoever it was, I think it was like Fitz Magic at one point and I was like <sighs> Is, is, that the, is that the only name that I'll ever actually know? I think in that Tom Brady. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're not involved in this, are you, Rob? No, I'm not involved. Sorry, in this sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. As soon as I see oh. football, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's all good. It's all good. But no, like a huge, a huge thank you, Ben. I can reiterate what Chris said. I mean, I wanted this to be an inspirational podcast, and I think you, you have just absolutely just hit the nail on the head. And like Chris just touched on there, like the fact that there's been zero talk of training or like nutrition, it just shows the importance of exactly what I wanted to pile out of you, which is what's the mindset that you've actually gone and approached life with knowing the things that you've had to overcome. And I think the way you would push it is I've had to overcome nothing. I'm an old person. I crack on with my life. This is my mindset. Uh, so I think it's just a phenomenal message that we can pass on to, you know, to other people. So thank you so much for joining us. And thank hopefully so thank you soon. Thank you very much. Cheers, well, guys. By the way, well, for people that want to find you, where do they find you, Ben? 
Instagram at Ben Mudge underscore. Still haven't got that full one. That guy's just holding it. <laughs> Had me for six years. Um, and that's pretty much it. You'll get everything from, from Instagram. Yeah. Jump on his Instagram where you'll find me and Chris as well. Thank you for listening, guys. And we will see you next week. Cheers, everyone.